the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black and your money. And now, here's Rob Black. So tonight, the big story is going to be on the presidential speech. What does he say? What does he not say? And does he cut or does he make way to cut the corporate tax rate? Of course, there'll be some clean energy talk and that could affect the stock market positive. But eh, that always tends to be very short and temporary in the way that it lasts. This is a market right now that feels like we need a correction. Uh, It feels like there's not a lot of conviction on the upside or downside. It's earnings season, and we've had a long run, so we can't seem to really get further because we've had that big run, but we can't really seem to fall apart because the fundamentals are in place. Seattle's Best Coffee, part of Starbucks Coffee, today announced the addition of its Anywhere Great Coffee is Needed strategy, its new line of iced canned lattes. I bring this up because Starbucks owns Seattle's Best Coffee. I think that was a real smart acquisition for them. The move capitalizes on the growing trend of iced coffee beverages. Um, that according to NPD, which is a retailing group, accounts for about 20% of sales in coffee houses and quick serve restaurants with more than 1.2 billion servings in 2010. So again, they, they continue to do things right over at Starbucks. Um, it's a shame that I didn't tell you to load up on that stock when it fell apart, uh, on the basic premise that we all think that they'll be around a lot like McDonald's will be for the next 10, 20, 30 years. At some point in time, I do think a Starbucks will turn into a McDonald's and instead of have a, a growth valuation tied towards it, much more of a value proposition, and uh, they'll use their cash to buy back shares. So Cheesecake Factory got an interesting upgrade today to buy. Uh, basically, it's first international franchise agreement. And international expansion has potential to merge as an important source of cash flow and for earnings for Cheesecake Factory if other deals are to be signed. Moreover, it suggests the Cheesecake Factory is regaining some restaurant sales momentum that it had lost in 2010 and that the restaurant industry is kind of coming back into favor. Other stories of note today, Boeing and Alaska Airlines are complete. Uh, they complete a contract for 15 next-generation 737s valued at about $1.3 billion. It includes exercised options previously placed by Alaska. It is valued at $1.3 billion at list prices. It's a new model for the Alaska Airlines fleet, the 737-900ER, which is extended range. And it tells you Alaska Airlines, ticker symbol ALK, continues to have some some growth and some new opportunities to add routes to their their current plan. (laughs) A little tired today. Earnings season really brutalizes me. Uh, it's one of those days where companies are all down, even when reporting good numbers. So it's really tough to talk about 
and tell you here's the perspective of why you want to like it because I look like an idiot. But American Express, EMC, VMware, Travelers, Verizon, DuPont, 3M, Johnson & Johnson, you know, they all reported pretty good numbers. None of them reported awful numbers. Uh, DuPont raised 2010 guidance. EMC issued upside guidance for 2011. Um, Coach uh, established a $1.5 billion stock repurchase program. Those were pretty good numbers. These were things that I wanted to see and I did see. So far, earnings is going pretty much the way I feel comfortable. Remember Google in China? Well, they're still in the news. It's believed as part of the reason for the switch up top in Google was due to Mr. Schmidt's handling of the China situation. And... um, I don't know if that's true or false. There's some rumors tied towards it. And uh, I can tell you that if you read some Asian industry reports online, uh, a recent industry report says that Google's growth rate's been slower than any other market due to its uncertain strategy and cooperation model in China. So Google's watched its market share in China slide for four consecutive quarters to 19.6% in the fourth quarter of 2010. Uh, one of the vice presidents of Google, a guy named Li Yun, said that Google will continue to increase its sales team in China while improving on its advertising business. In March 2010, Google redirected its site, google.cn, i.e. China, to Hong Kong after a two-month dispute with the Chinese government. Data shows that in the fourth quarter of 2010, the total value of China's internet search advertisement mark was about 3.29 billion won, in which Baidu controls about 72.9% of it. So some people are thinking that you know this... Uh, uncertain strategy might become a little bit more certain for Google inside of China. So some interesting numbers that I saw out of Verizon. Um, I think it's one of those companies that has a, an amazing dividend. So I talk about it probably a little bit more than I should. Data revenues from wireless services are a strong driver of revenues and profits. Data revenues. Hearing more and more about this story with the iPhone, the convergence of all telecommunication services on a single network, it'll be a competitive advantage for Verizon, especially when cellular usage becomes integrated, which is considered the quad play. Timing of fulfillment of these predictions is distant. It's acceptable, though, since Verizon pays an extraordinary high and very secure dividend. For more than three years, these elements have been a premise for quarterly results. The market generally is dominated by investors with short-term viewpoints, and they don't understand Verizon's become more and more profitable as time goes forward. The market and the average person looks at declining landline revenues, and they look at maturing cellular services. Investors who view Verizon with these trends in mind have tended to see the company as a non-growth mature company facing operational cost issues. But the massive investment in their broadband system, their fiber to the street, has been viewed with great skepticism, of course. The relatively consistent $17 billion annual capital expenditure for the past 10 years has been seen as both excessive and dangerous, since most of it's been funded with debt. Now, this short-term view has been completely overlooked. The potential of the broadband network and the potential of data revenues through smartphones. The reaction of the market to Verizon's results... It indicates that the market's finally starting to see some potential for the cellular data revenues and the fiber to the street services. So as investors listen to the conference call and you dig a little bit deeper into the results, the focus shifts to the continued growth of the fiber to the operating of the street network and the scalable potential of data revenues. 
for me, what I look for is cost efficiency. Um, cost efficiency of converging telecom services on a single network and how it provides a long-term advantage against cable companies seeking to build similar networks. I look for convergence of services onto an existing network, which provides competitive feature service that cable companies pretty much so can't match as far as profitability goes. And since the capacity of the network is still around 10%, even when a customer uses TV, internet, phone, the potential for development of new services is is there, and thus it's a competitive advantage. Some of the things I look for are increasing average revenue per user as existing cell phone customers upgrade to smartphones, which require an additional $30 a month contractual payment. A lot of margin expansion driven by the data revenue segment. Such uh, You'll see incremental use of the system is scalable. So as more and more people use smartphones, it's a trend that really favors a company like a Verizon. Uh, Verizon stated at the end of 2010, 26% of the customer base had smartphones, up from 15% at 2009. Verizon stated that during the fourth quarter, 75% of the net additions to the subscription base were smartphone subscribers. So again, it's a trend that smartphones are counting for about 49% of all cell phones sold, and that includes upgrades by existing customers when they renew their contract. So that trend confirms the investment premise of the smartphone data services being a driver of revenues. And it should you know, ultimately help them. The regulatory cloud is always there with the FCC. But that doesn't really freak me out in any way, shape, or form. Because it's always there. So the combination of slow, continual growth combined with high, secure dividends, it makes it an ideal candidate for tax-sheltered situations such as retirement accounts. I feel very comfortable with Verizon as an investment opportunity for investors. Saw a funny statistic today that when the Packers win the World's, uh, not the World Series, I guess that would be pretty funny, huh? When the Packers win the Super Bowl, the market goes up 14% on average that year. When the Steelers do, well, it's uh, 18%. Now, the Steelers have won six Super Bowls. The Packers won three. So that's kind of telling you, I guess we're pulling for the Steelers, but either way, we can't lose if you continue to follow stupid, dumb things like that. Uh, consumer confidence returns to May 2010 highs. That was a headline today. I like that headline. I think it makes uh, it helps. It's just one of those extra flags that we continue to build, that we continue to say, you know, uh, this is part of our investment thesis. You don't get excited by it. You don't get distracted by it. Uh, you just feel pretty good, comfortable with it. It's it's just another piece of data that you again start building in. Best five performers today on the Dow, Travelers, Verizon, Walmart, Intel, Cisco. Worst five were 3M, American Express, Bank of America, Alcoa, and Johnson & Johnson. Cisco showed some relative strength today. It uh, moved higher in a market that was troublesome. Other notes from today. I'm literally looking through all my notes right now, trying to find some interesting shtick for you. Norfolk Southern got a downgrade, and here's Train Company. This was an early morning downgrade. It took me a while to get my hands on the downgrade, but UBS downgraded them to basically a buy and uh, called it a $68 stock. Keep in mind it's a $63 stock. Some investors have perceived underperformance versus CSX and Union Pacific as kind of an evidence of a catch-up kind of play. Uh, rails are slow-moving animals, and 
do not think the company is at an inflection point yet. It may seem counterintuitive to downgrade a stock, in their opinion, after its best comparisons just put up good fourth quarter numbers and effectively guided 2011 above the street expectations. CSX required a significant casualty uh, reserve adjustment to beat consensus, and Norfolk Southern likely won't have to. Now, CSX's pricing is typically stronger, and its conference call language and forward guidance more transparent conveys greater conviction. So I like the rails. I like them all um, at various times. I think they could be accumulated. I don't think they've got a lot of competition. I think they're, they're smart for good long-term patient investors. HP's quarter looks to be tracking basically pretty attractively. I think this is a good stock for 2011 uh, due to the underperformance in 2010. Uh, good visibility, very similar characteristics to IBM. American Express saw their price target raised today to 50 bucks over at Freeman Billings Ramsey. You know, they're, everyone's concerned with the financials as far as some of the legal requirements on disclosure issues and legal requirements on, you know, making the company safe and uh, less dynamic, so to speak, to create uh, potential problems. And, you know, will, whether or not they can steer merchants towards meaningful incentives, steer customers towards lower cost debit transactions, issues along those lines will hurt American Express in the short term. But I think American Express, good long term name, um, probably not in my portfolio, but close. And I think I can certainly make cases for trading the stock on occasion. IMAX signed a deal today to get a first commercial theater in Egypt. This is only important to me because I like the IMAX story. I've been liking it since the announcement of IMAX for Avatar and the IMAX, the Avatar 2 and 3. Um, I think that makes sense. I don't think I need to beat the hell out of this in any way, shape, or form. VMware had a great quarter, but they had a huge run-up before the quarter. Super Bowl tickets, $5,000. The big game are averaging $5,000 for online vendors. That's pretty crazy, huh? So that's a pretty good price markup from $600 to $1,200 for space value. If anyone wants to take me to the game, get tickets, and I'll go, and I'll raise, I'll I'll massage your head. I'll I'll be your little little boy toy for a a game. (laughs) I know you're saying, I wonder if he's serious or not. I don't know. Am I? So, smartphone market. uh, Another big story today in the New York Times on smartphones. And I want to say it was New York Times, so that doesn't sound right. I think it was Business Week. And uh, talked about how $16 billion in transactions this year is going to climb to $214 billion in transactions by the 2015 so iPhone, Droid, BlackBerry, will they kill credit cards? And if you think about it, credit cards are one of the oldest technologies and finances that there are. You know, it's a piece of plastic. It's it's nothing too practically fantastic more than that, you know? It is what it is. Banks are testing all sorts of contactless mobile payments, but I think the the, the positions that are gonna be strongest are the cell phone companies. And not only that is two thousand eleven is gonna be an exciting year, but dynamic year, but on top of it, you know, the AT&T's, the T-Mobile's, and Verizon's, you know, they're going to certainly make relationships with companies like Discover and Barclays and potentially form product lines that rival Visa and MasterCard. 
I would love to do more transactions with my phone. I feel very comfortable with that idea. Coach, their quarterly profit rose 26%. That stock's hitting an all-time high. Uh, it's interesting to watch. Look at that chart. It really shows you a great company can and will come back and that you buy great companies when there's a down market. Um, I used to own Coach. I sold it at a great profit. I didn't write it down. Um, it was a great company, but when it rode down, I, I ignored it. And next thing you know, you turn around and it's slowly recovering, slowly recovering, slowly recovering, hitting an all-time high. Great example of a great company that ran into some problems. Research Emotion thinks they're going to sell 6 million playbooks, which are basically an iPad uh, in the first year. And one of the reasons why is state-of-the-art, multitasking, speed, power, a lot of things that you know obviously would be very attractive to the high-end user. So a lot of lots banking on that, lots counting on that. Uh, I don't see it as an Apple killer in any way, shape, or form, or an iPad killer. It just to me, I think the transition is going to continue to move towards the Android platform as secondary, and the first one's Apple. And until we see otherwise, that's the way the story's going. Don't forget to call the show eight hundred five one six twelve twenty eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's really a better show when people do call. I know it's asking a lot of you and you've got things to do in your day, but uh, the reason I do podcasts like this are to support the show, to give it a little extra, to give you a little extra, you know, kind of rated R material as far as hardcore information. Um, You know, on the radio show, I can't dare talk about like FASB rules, financial accounting standards boards, and how they're moving towards reversing rule requiring banks to value loans at market value. And how that could change the value of banks basically instantaneously. Um, And I think the banking sector has, like I said yesterday during this segment, it's got the best value uh, as far as book value goes. And there's things out there that could drive value. So Citigroup, Bank of America, Regionals Financial, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, uh, BB&T, PNC Financial. These are all names that I ultimately like as far as potential upside in the financial markets. So taking a look at the president's speech tonight, he said to address the nation, pretty highly anticipated state of the union address. 2011 is going to take an additional importance as it marks a crucial year leading up to the 2012 election. President Obama has been able to drum up support the past few months. He's had a great three months as a move to a more centrist position and a stellar speech following the tragedy in Arizona helped push his approval rating higher. President approaches the speech with momentum. There's no doubt about it. And his message will resonate with voters. Um, So he needs to make this one count. He's going to call for new government spending and infrastructure education and research. Green energy initiatives are set to be big winners in the speech. So go check your green energy stocks right now. President expected to lean heavily on the argument that the United States, while trying to reduce its deficits, must target investments to foster job growth and boost competitiveness. Not a lot of details of where he's expected to spend as far as uh, until the release of the 2011 budget. His desire to boost government spending to stimulate the economy should not come as a surprise. He does plan to offset the increase in spending through a three- to five-year freeze in non-security discretionary spending. The president does not want a threat of a double-dip recession. Now, 
cutting spending and freezing it is not expected to excite Republicans with one saying the move was similar to taking a diet pill after participating in a pie eating contest. You know, analysts believe that the move will save approximately $250 billion over the next decade, but the category did represent a $477 billion of the budget in 2010. So the administration's defining security-related spending as, as matters related to Pentagon, Homeland Security, Veterans, and National Affairs, and some entitlement programs such as Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, which continue to be a growing part of the overall budget. So the freeze would cover agencies like air traffic, farm subsidies, education, nutrition, and national parks. So he's going to make some broad reference to the tax code, defense spending cuts that were already announced are going to be reiterated again. There will be some drama surrounding the national debt level, which is, again, the Republicans have this in their hand right now. A couple of issues that will get mentioned but are unlikely to see much airtime, gun control, Afghanistan, Iraq, Guantanamo Bay, uh, climate change, uh, state of debt crisis, entitlement programs, tax reform recommendations. So basically on the news of everything that's being released into the speech, the dollar got a little bit weaker. So um, the risk right now is the plan for the president is that you know he may upset many of his voters as it leaves out cuts to military spending. It's hitting some social programs. This points to a move further to the center um, for Obama. I mean, he just he had a rotten first year and a half of his presidency as far as uh, delivering to expectations. And the last three to six months, he's really starting to try to move to the center much the way uh, history treated Bill Clinton. He's looking for the same type of treatment. Anyhow and anyway, i got to take a break here. I'll be back in 22 hours with a new podcast updated. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And again, don't forget to call into the radio show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Again, you support the radio show, and I'll keep doing this kind of event. Oh, I I guess I should give you one more, right? Uh, Because that's what you're into. Lululemon. Uh, stock that was in favor, fell out of favor. Now it's back in favor. It's athletic apparel for women, essentially yoga, uh, pants, shorts, tops, jackets, just sexy outfits, right? Um, the percentage of its products sold that will be non-yoga are going to increase over time. It's trying to see itself as a premium brand that incorporates technicality, um, you know, advanced materials. So it's athletic apparel is manufactured using cutting edge fabrics that deliver maximum function athletic fit. Uh, the company's doing what they can to really show that they're just not a yoga company anymore. 150 stores. They could probably reach 300 in the next few years. So they'll get some real nice revenue growth out of it. Uh, the company's been remarkably consistent with revenue growth in the past four quarters, up 55%, up 69%, up 56%, up 56%. So that's just – I'm going to be honest with you. It's stunning. Those are good numbers. The strong and consistent revenue growth, You know, another thing that stands out is high margins. When you're making high-end – Athletic clothing, it's, it's not loose-fitting T-shirts and baggy pants. Uh, so they're in the upper 20% range as far as margins go, and that's pretty damn attractive. So where do I th- see the stock going? I see it as very expensive, priced for perfection, but I do see it as a growth stock. I would look to get into Lululemon, ticker symbol LULU, on any sort of weakness. Um, Athena HealthNet, ticker symbol ATHN, they announced they're a provider of cloud-based billing and patient management software for physicians. Um, they've got some good news out there, ticker symbol ATHN. GT Solar is one of the world's largest merchant suppliers of polysilicon and solar uh, manufactured equipment. It was initially a stock that, that I liked a couple years ago. Again, it fell out of favor. 
It's up about 50 cent, uh, 50% since uh, a recent activity. Uh, it's one of those companies that I want you to pay attention to. And again, on weakness, it might be appropriate for you. Fabrinet was one of those IPOs from June. It's up 125% from its IPO. I talked a little bit about it when it IPO'd. It's a manufacturer of optical components and precision mechanical assemblies, such as switches, beams, splitters, printed circuit boards, lasers, sensors, and other devices. Uh, their primary markets, communications, lasers, and sensors, but they're basically growing across the board pretty fast. Uh, they're used heavily in high-definition video on demand, which, again, I think if you check out your cable bill, you'll see that it's moving in the right direction. Anyhow, I need to boot move here and... Uh, I'll talk to you soon. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.